it's your flyness himself. Music at a whole nother altitude. Ladies and gentlemen, walk in the peels. Welcome to the Kiki. Walk in the peels. A Kiki is a party for calming all your nerves, for spilling tea, and dishing just desserts where they are served. There's only three rules. No comps. Stop being poor. No requests. This isn't your mom's karaoke machine. And no condoms. This isn't the 80s. Get on prep and get in there. Uh, we're just kidding. Bring condoms if you must. Lock the doors. Lower the blinds. And let's have a kiki. Hey, girl. Hey, it's your boy, Xander Alexander. Welcome to the kiki. A live podcast about everything from gay to Z. It's time to let your hair down, scratch your balls if you must, and go all the way through it with us. It's all Gucci. No judgments here. You're amongst friends and family. We only bite if you ask us to. Now, let's have a kiki. Today's episode will cover the role race plays within the community. So you'll have a first-hand knowledge of what it's like to be a POC through rainbow-colored glasses of the LGBT. Well, all right. Don't hurt yourselves, but let's see who we're kikiing with. Say hello to David. Hello, everyone. And we also have Phil. Power to all the people. (laughs) Yes. So did you guys ever think that we would see the first and largest ever civil rights protests of our here amidst the pandemic. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You got that. I 100% saw this coming. What was that calendar? You got that Mayan calendar over there? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, as 2019 came to an end, I told all of my friends, and I kept telling them, next year is 2020. We constantly talk about all the things that we can see in hindsight, which in hindsight is the only time we can see in 2020. Therefore, this year marked a pivotal time Mm -hmm. that we were going to start to see a lot of things come back to haunt us from our past. And that's exactly what we have seen. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yes, definitely. Um, And we you know hindsight is 2020 and we are now looking at our hindsight in 2020 vision and it's not so pretty um but you know the best thing we can do is is try to absorb it right now i don't even think that people are at the point of necessarily processing anything or or forming their own opinions etc i think it's just a lot of it is just taking it in as it comes in and just being vocal. You know, it's what we do here. We get the, the dialogue started and we get the convert, the right conversation started and you won't always be able to finish them. And sometimes it'll be a little bit hard to get through them because they're tough, but they're the ones that need to happen right now. Agreed. I mean, you, when you think about 57, 60 years ago, when the first civil rights civil rights movement happened in America. It's so like just hurts my heart that we're here in 2020 and it has to happen again because nothing has changed. Right. That's where my heart is at. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could say that even then 
really, truly the beginning of the civil rights movement. I mean, let's keep going back. I mean, let's not forget, you know, the Harlem Renaissance and the fight that had to be had just to right. recognize Black artists and their contributions to literature and art and music and the work that they were doing. This came on the heels of segregation, that came on the heels of Jim Crow, that came on the heels of slavery. Mm -hmm. So this has been a fight that we have been fighting for centuries. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, now that it's Pride Month, you throw in the LGBTQ community and it's like, all right, guys, let's step up with our brothers and sisters. You know, we 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 didn't start the riot. Actually, we did. Um, the what met, people of color in the trans community are the ones that started those riots. So, you know, there's been a bit of an interesting air amongst the um, gay community and how they're sort of taking this whole protest because there are some of them that seem to mm -hmm. think that this doesn't belong to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's the real, that's one of the most real unfortunate circumstances that we are seeing happen is that people feel like it doesn't belong to them, but you know, being queer people, we've had to fight for our own rights. We've had to fight to be included. We've had to fight for our opportunity to be visible, be heard and to be accepted and to be understood just so that way we can exist as well. So it's really sad to see a community of people who are well like to be excluded, to be victims, mm -hmm. to be victimized, to be pushed out, to be held down, to look the other way. Mm -hmm. when it's happening to someone else. I mean, what exactly did we fight for? Right. I mean, we can't constantly say we want inclusivity when we don't want to be inclusive ourselves. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yep. And so, you know, that, that brings us to a great point in terms of, you know, when you're protesting, the common sort of phrase is, what do we want and when do we want it? So mm -hmm. to that extent, you know, we have to look at the larger picture and think just beyond this individual um, incident with George Floyd and say, okay, what do we want and when do we want it? And that's something that we all have to think about internally and especially within the LGBT community because it's like, well, what do we want? We're, we Absolutely. want the same things as them. We want equality. We're not mm -hmm. asking for anything more or anything less. We just want equality and we want that equality worldwide and furthermore i think it, it goes without saying that you know we're amidst the largest civil rights protests in history on a global scale in over 600 cities and you know while people are maybe getting up in arms about the looting and the rioting but even to that i say that Looting and rioting is a perfect form of protest in a system where goods and services are valued over human life. Well said. So that's the only way that I can put that. I'm not saying that I condone violence. I'm not saying that I condone it. I'm just saying that it's a valid form of protest. And Absolutely. I mean, this country was founded on people who looted and rioted. I mean, let's not forget the Boston Tea Party. They took 
property that belonged to King George and they stole it from him and threw it into Boston Harbor and they protested against what they saw as an unjust system so they could build a country where they would then in turn hold everyone else down because Mm -hmm. that's what they wanted. They wanted to be in power and they wanted to be in control. They didn't want someone else to have it. So now that they have it, the real question is, what the hell are you actually doing with it? Right, exactly. And I think part of, you know, obviously the first part of what we want is justice. And it's not just justice for um, George Floyd, it's justice for all of, basically everyone. Absolutely. And, And, but we'll start with George. And I think, the riots and the protests, the peaceful protests have been very helpful in this scenario because, you know, this is the first time we've seen all four cops um, or all cops involved Mm -hmm. so swiftly taken to, well, we'll just say justice in quotation marks. Um, I think furthermore, it's going to require major police reform. And this is police reform, both for the system and for the individual cops. Because you can't very well expect the cops to be fixed inside of a broken system. I mean, if you know, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the police system, but even within their own um, ranks, the rank and file cops are not the ones who create the rules, procedures, policies, and disciplinary actions. So it's basically like, you're running around in a decentralized system because there are about 18,000 municipalities, agencies, and governances um, around the United States, and they're all decentralized. So Mm -hmm. that's one of the major issues is that a lot of the policing is done at a local level. So you're going to experience all the things you experience at a local level, whether that be racism or poverty, et cetera. So I think there needs to be systematic and individualistic um, reforms, and specifically the getting rid of qualified immunity, which is what gives a lot of cops their ticket off of these heinous crimes. They're getting out of jail free cards. Exactly. And then finally is we have got, we've got to take on these unions because the, NYPD union, for example, has become so strong that it's almost impossible to get beyond because they're that powerful and they hold that much command such that if you don't back them, then you don't have their backing. And that says a lot. Right. Well, I wonder why it is that we haven't made some type of headway in holding the union itself accountable. You should not be there to protect those who would break the law themselves. If you as a union are there to protect the people that are a part of it, then you should protect the people who actually do the right thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's difficult to try to side with the police as a Black man But at the same time, if you want to tell us that there are good cops within your ranks, then you need to stop shielding those who do wrong. You need to stop hiding those and helping those who 
oppress others and use the law to their own benefit because they think that this is the way for them to have some form of power in their own lives. I mean, you've created a system where you have essentially turned the police into a a band of mercenaries that just can go out and do whatever it is that they want. I mean, there hasn't been a single solitary day that I have woken up this week since the death of George Floyd that I have not shed many tears before I could even leave my house because there is so much pain weighing down on me because of a system that is broken. I grew up in a household with a father who was a police officer who was as abusive as they come. And that gave him the right to do whatever he wanted because he felt entitled and privileged enough to do so. And that is not right. They need to stop shielding and protecting those who would do wrong and would ruin what it is that they wish to build. Mm-hmm. You said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what do we want? We want justice, right? For mm-hmm. George Floyd. What do we want? A criminal justice reform. To your point, you know, there's police officers who think they can just do anything they want because they're police officers. But then I think about stories we hear in media of, you know, white people committing crimes. Those, you know, crimes are not weighed the same as if a black man was to do that crime. Mm -hmm. So a criminal justice reform is simply equal crime, equal time, Mm -hmm. regardless of skin color. And that's what's not happening. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, it's not just, you know, an expectation of that. You know, we see, you know, that we're taught that justice is blind and doesn't see these things. But consistently, we continue to see the same things. You know, Mm -hmm. we see a sea of white faces in legislative bodies. We see a sea of white faces in the judicial system. There's a sea of white faces when it comes to the police. And that itself is a problem because, again, if we're talking about making systemic changes to systemic problems, then You need to do exactly what you would do if you were trying to fix a problem with a plant that had a disease that you needed to fix. You need to go to the root. You need to go to the source of those problems. And you need to make sure that these bodies represent the true people that it is that they're supposed to be there for. They do not. And if they don't, they're not going to be impartial. Mm -hmm. And we need to beef up the criteria for qualifying to become a police officer i mean it's four months at a police academy and then you're off and it's like that to me is not enough i mean they Mm -hmm. should have to go through much more at least do the sensitive sensitivity if you if you don't want to do sensitivity training then do sensitivity screening and weed out the racists and the bigots and get you know get them out from the beginning but that's something that you know, money's going to have to be invested in. And I'm sorry, but, you know, one of these hashtags that's going around called defund the police, that's actually not the right answer. Defund the police so that they don't exist is not, is not, in my opinion, the right answer. It's, it, it's the, the police actually need to be there. There's a lot of waste. So they need to cut the waste, cut the fat, Mm -hmm. but they, they need slightly more funding for the training that's going to be necessary to bring these officers um, up to speed on 
you know, what the pseudo, the new social order is. Well, and a lot one of, of the, people the, are not 100% certain, and, I'm, and I don't want to cut you off, but there's a lot of people who mm-hmm. aren't even certain what that means to defund the police. Like, mm-hmm. you have to remember, we're putting in a lot of tax dollars into this organization, into this body. And Billions. not only that, but they are taking this money and they are buying military weapons, military vehicles that the Pentagon is selling to them. They do not need to buy these things. Again, we're talking about how it's wrong to then turn the military on the American people. You are essentially turning the police force into the military by militarizing them and giving them access to them. No, we need to defund the police. They do not need billions of dollars so they can go out and murder people. That does not need to happen. You are not going to get paid so you can take other people's lives. You are not being paid so you can abuse the people that you're supposed to be protecting and then smile about it on camera, Mm, brag about it to your friends because you take pride in causing hurt and pain to people. Because why? Because when you get that much money given to you, when you have not earned it, You feel entitled and privileged. This is exactly what we say about the youth. Every single solitary generation. You know, when money is passed to them that they didn't earn, they come with a sense of entitlement and a sense of privilege that things are owed to them that they didn't have to work for. Well, we need to start making the police earn their money. Earn the money if you want it. They need to be defunded. I'm not giving them billions of dollars of my hard-earned money so they can then come and put a knee in my neck. You are not going to come and put a bullet in my back. Mm-hmm. Say it. Preach, Philip. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm like, I think we have to find, you know, a, a common ground whereby we can say that if you're getting this money, then it's appropriated this way. Not just like the government bailouts where they hand, you know, trillion dollar packages over and, you know, a few things are stipulated. It's like it needs to be stipulated in there how and where this is going to be spent. Furthermore, the police, they should be required to take their own version of a bar exam to make sure they know the laws beforehand. Why not? It doesn't have to be as full as a lawyer's bar exam, but it should be you know, at least comprehensive enough so that, you know, that was another idea um, that's floating around. And um, finally, they were actually going to require four-year law degrees. The United States um, police force is leading above and beyond any other police force in terms of having killing on average over a thousand people a year. If you look at Germany and I believe it's Denmark, they have zero, like zero killings from police. So, sounds you know, like that's where I should a live. Disparity, right? Um, there's, there's clearly a disparity in there. And so, you know, I think that's, I think what to generalize it, it's justice for now, but justice forever. So, whatever we, we fix with the George Floyd case, we need to make sure that we put parameters into place that will carry on throughout um, and make sure that all things, you know, like for example, the anti-lynching law get passed. So Rand Paul's gonna have to get up off his ass 
um, and stop blocking that. But I know that's separate. But. Am I the only person that finds it disgusting that there should be a white man from Kentucky that is the only person standing in the way of passing a law that should say that it is illegal to lynch a person when the only people that have been lynched in this country have been black? Am I the only person disgusted by that? Yeah, and he said that he wanted gay people taken out of it. Apparently, it has a provision in there for gay people, which is what what he wanted taken out. Yes, because again, here we are with another person with privilege who's saying that our lives do not matter because somehow being queer, now our lives don't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Insane. And, you know, tying this back to our community specifically, you know, as people of color ourselves, you know, we have our own experience within the LGBTQ community. And it's for some, it's good. For some, it's bad. For some, it's good on some days. For some, it's bad on some days. What's, what's your experience has been like in, as a POC in the LGBTQ community? It's unique. I think it's more, I'm, I observe a lot. And as a Latino gay man, I always observe whether it's a nightclub or work, the diversity of the group. Because I think that we've talked about this before, there is inclusivity in the LGBTQ community, but there's also just groups of tribes, right? And that can be oh, yeah. groups of race. And as a queer person of color, as a Latino queer person of color, when I walk into a conference at work, I survey my company and I'm like, wow, out of a hundred people in this conference, it's me and two other Latinos. Mm. And even that, it's only two other Black people. Mm. And to your point that you made earlier, when we look at Congress, when we look at the GOP, the current administration, I am aware of that diversity. And then I then connect that back to hmm, that I now, as a Latino queer person of color, and I actually got this from John Leguizamo's Latin History for Morons on Netflix, I have to work twice as hard to get half as far. Exactly. And then when I think about when I think about the experience for queer people in general or black people, that's even more. They have to work five times as hard to only get a quarter as far. Mm-hmm. That's as a queer person of color that I do just by nature, by habit. I don't know. I walk in anywhere. I see Instagrams of gay influencers in New York City, and I'm like, gosh, their friend group is all white. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I can't connect to that. I can't. And there's just these things I observe. What about you guys? I mean, it's a it's almost impossible not to notice how monochromatic the spaces are at times mm-hmm. when I go to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to join groups on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, and you see a sea again of white faces. And even on Meetup, you know, you try to join groups where you're supposed to meet other people. And it's just amazing how, you know, there's 5,000 people in a group and only five of them are Black. Five of them may be Latino. And yet and still, we talk about inclusivity, but yet and still, I get emails from queer groups and queer organizations, even those who are fighting for our rights, 
they still, in everything that they send me, every piece of literature, it's nothing but white faces, which is surprising mm-hmm. because, again, you know, we talk about unconscious bias and, you know, the things that people don't think about. But let me tell you something. This is 2020. Why are we constantly defending people as if they don't know what's going on in the world? This is 2020. Mm-hmm. We are so connected to our damn phones. We literally do not go a single solitary place without it. We are so connected to everything that is going on. We know that there are people who are making choices to say, this is the photo I'm going to use. This is the image I'm going to use. This is the advertisement I'm going to use. There were choices that were made. There were people who approved those choices. There are people who publish those things. And when they're put out and then we are wrong because we say that we're not included. Absolutely not. Correct. My experience personally has definitely been one of pain. I'm sorry, like every single solitary ounce of it. My existence and being a queer person has been so painful because everywhere I go, there's so many white people and I'm always put on the outside or I'm put on display and because they want to make sure everyone knows that there's a black person here because all of a sudden mm-hmm. that's their get out of jail free card too because they want to say well we got a black person over there therefore we're not racist I am not here as a prop right. for you to try to defend your bias if you truly don't mm-hmm. want to be racist then when you walked in the door you should have said Why are there not more people of color here? Because they represent a part of this community too. Correct. And I think Mm -hmm. you made a great point about representation because as humans, we want to see ourselves represented. And when you look in the media or anywhere, it's hard. It's hard to find ourselves represented Absolutely. in anything. And, you know, it's unfortunate yeah, we had to create BET and you have to have Univision in order for you to have programming, you know, specifically mm-hmm. geared toward people of color. So that way Latino people can be represented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, I come from sort of an interesting perspective because while I'm a person of color, I was raised predominantly in white neighborhoods um, amongst white people. So I've sort of become accustomed to uh, being around people of the Caucasian persuasion. And, but I don't, that doesn't mean that I don't realize what it's like to be the token constantly Mm -hmm. over and over and over again, to be the token and to get, you know, those questions sometimes when they're drunk and feeling a little loose and, and asking me about what it's like to be a black guy and what it's like to be with the black guy and, and getting those kind of racist bigoted questions yes. that they wouldn't otherwise ask. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's, I kind of try to, to balance myself between the two so that I can be a conduit between them and, and try to keep the, the dialogue, the channels of dialogue open because they've seemingly shut and nowadays it is very segregated in that Absolutely. the whites go where the whites go, the Latinos go where the Latinos go. Well, sometimes it's the Latinos and they just lump the, la- mm-hmm. the blacks and Latinos together. And, and, it, and it is very segregated. Um, and, you know, for me, I, I don't think there's I don't think there's any reason for it. But then again, we don't live in a perfect world. And there's for some reason everyone has it mixed in. I think a lot of it has to do with music personally. Mm-hmm. Um is a very huge influence on it because it's the type of music that people like to listen to or don't like to, to listen to. And I'm sorry, but if you look by race, you can kind of see, hear a certain type of somewhat stereotypical 
but the type of genre of music that they typically like. I'll just say, like, I'm speaking in generalizations because, of course, for any given thing, you can you can give side A and counterpoint B to everything. So I'm just trying to give a generalization of what my experience has been like, not to say that that's been anyone else's experience. No, I agree. And I think just race in the gay community also is very, it's either fetish Mm. or shame. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was having a conversation with my roommate. Um, And, you know, just to give a little background, you know, he's Russian. He came to the United States mm-hmm. as an asylum seeker, because as we know, it is incredibly dangerous to be gay in Russia. And he Correct. came mm-hmm. here, you know, so he could survive. So that way he wouldn't become a victim. And we had a conversation about this. And, you know, he actually told me that there's nothing wrong with fetishization of your race. That there's no problem in his eyes for race play you know, when it comes to, you know, the queer community, it's totally acceptable. So I posed a Mm -hmm. question to him. I asked him, you know, if a group of white supremacists got together, is it okay, you know, based on, you know, what you're saying that as long as they're getting together behind closed doors, that it's okay? He said, absolutely, as long as Mm -hmm. they are happy. That was his defense to me as a black man. It's okay for white supremacists to get together. It's okay to use my race as some type of fetish for joy for you. That's not me. My race is not a game. It is not a toy. It is not here for your pleasure. I mean, this color that I carry, believe me, it costs a lot. You could Mm -hmm. not afford it. Because why? We'll because we're talking know. exactly. We're talking about four hundred years of payments being made consistently with blood, with sweat, and with our lives. You could never afford this. So this is not yes. here for your pleasure. It is not here for your joy. It is not here to make you feel better about yourself, for about yourself, and for you to get your rocks off. Absolutely not. Well said. And on the other side of that as well is the shame and preferences. Mm -hmm. So if you have a preference of no blacks, no Asian, that's racism. Absolutely. That's 100%. Yeah. I find myself um, when it comes down to the no femmes, no fats, no blacks, no Asians. I'm like, well, I'm half black. I'm half Asian. Mm. I'm a little bit femme. And I'm depending on what day it is. I'm kind of fat, so, um, so it's like, I'm, I'm just like, not going to win any day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I am screwed all around. And as we talk about the sort of no, no, no's, you know, what what is it that we can leave with our POC allies who, for lack of a better term, they want to be woke because they're scared to blink on the issues. Mm-hmm. What what what? advice can we offer them because i will say that i have seen quite a few people try to make a valiant effort at saying i want to help but i don't know what to do because they they find themselves being in a position where if they say something but they say it wrong 
they're eviscerated because they accidentally said something wrong and it maybe it sounded a little racist or a little unkind, mm-hmm. but that's not how they meant it. Then obviously if they don't say anything, then they're eviscerated because they're like, well, why aren't you saying anything? But then it's like for some of them, they they think about it. They have never had to fight a, a civil rights battle in their life. Mm-hmm. They're white. They're privileged. Exactly. There's nothing civilly that's never been given to them that they haven't wanted. So I think there is some onus on us to educate the community. Uh, yeah, we can tell them to educate themselves as, you know, as long as the day is long, mm-hmm. the night is long in terms of watching movies, etc. But what do we want to say in modern day language? You know, what is it that they should be doing or can be doing or maybe from just different perspectives things they could be trying to be doing or the right questions they can ask well one thing you listening and learning absolutely you can listen there's definitely not enough of that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're listening there is a lot of value to be put on educating yourself because while yes we appreciate you coming to us to ask us our stories when you do that they're not being valued that's the real problem you ask these questions in the moment because in the moment you want to appear woke but let me tell you something being black and being gay and having grown up in georgia in the south let me tell you something i have never had the privilege of falling asleep I have always been woke. Mm-hmm. I have to always mm-hmm. keep my eyes out and keep looking over my shoulder and watching my own back. And if you don't know what Absolutely. that's like, then you need to constantly remind yourself every day that you wake up that you are different. You are queer. You're not straight. Straight America does not accept you. You need to remind yourself of those things. Because why? Because you might get one modicum closer to understanding what we feel like on a daily basis. Then, well yeah. then what you need to do is you need to stop sitting back and waiting for something like this to happen. I'm sorry, Ahmad Aubrey did not need to die for you to want to stand up with us. Brianna Taylor did not Correct. need to die for you to want to stand up with us. Nina Pop did not need to die for you to want to stand up with us. George Floyd did not need to die for you to want to stand up with us. If you are truly an ally, then you are with us every day because you know what? I am black every day and I am queer every day. I don't get to turn it off. I don't get to put it in the closet and I don't get to tuck it away. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important for them to find a way to speak out because I think silence is violence and even if it's the wrong way, then you know what? Bitches are going to correct you. So be open to the correction because dealing with white fragility is something that is very prominent right now. And they, you know what? Kudos to them because I, watching these peaceful protests and even some of the ones that turned unpeaceful, not because of the protesters, but because of the militaristic Mm -hmm. police. Mm -hmm. But I have seen, I have been, there's been a part of me that's been very happy to see what I'm seeing um, in terms of the numbers and in terms of the diversity and the crowd. Mm -hmm. Like there are, I mean, there are a good handful of white people out there 
are non and non POCs out there, you know, marching. And to that, I say, good on you. At least you can do something to, to show that you're in solidarity and, you know, more so than that, it's also, sometimes it's just showing up. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because we, because we don't necessarily even know what we're doing 100% per se. And the sense that, you know, that's why I, it was interesting to bring up the, what do we want? When do we want it earlier? Because it was like, all right, guys, so we are on the front page now. Who's leading this? Tell me it's not Al Sharpton. Um, but who's leading this? <laughs> it's always and, Al Sharpton and Jesse and Jackson, right? Always. Always. They're the king I'm of the like, blacks, right? Another player? Right. I'm like, but what? it's like, who's leading this? And it's like, let's put down concrete things. Like, we will not stop protesting until blank, blank, and blank and blank and it not and it needs to not be you know rhetoric it needs to not be kumbaya language it needs to be solid solidified things so one of the one of the resources that you can actually check out is eight can't wait.org that's the number Mm -hmm. eight and then can't wait.org and it's literally it's it's a list of seven things that could be implemented to reduce violence by 72 percent for example like um making it making the chokehold illegal mm-hmm. for cops and there's so there's seven other ways um on there but that 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 is an example of actionable items that can say legislate this not legislate um police reform that doesn't mean anything i mean it means something but we need to get down to the nitty-gritty and part of that is having oversight into what these agencies they call the police office um squadrons agencies what these agencies are doing and they need to require and mandate that they submit their statistics on the squad so that we know who's dying, where, what's escalating to violence. And we can get the, the statistical engineers in to really look at this and dive deep into mm-hmm. the numbers. And then, and then we can tell our POC brethren, allies, you know, these are the people that are being affected. These are the people that are affecting them. Making making the um, the the disciplinary records of cops available, mm-hmm. so that if you run in against a cop who's got nineteen violations against him, then you know it's not it's probably not too far off that he may have slipped the end. You know, it you. would be a whole mm-hmm. lot better if we wouldn't have a cop with nineteen violations. I'm sorry, one Correct. violation is too much for me. That is too much. Right. I mean, you had three other violations previous that involved a gun. I'm sorry, that is way too much. You know, he shouldn't have been there. And had he not been there, had he not been on the force, then guess what? It's a possibility George Floyd would still be here. So again, if we're going to get down to it, we're going to get down to the root. We're going to talk about what's really causing the problem. We need to stop shielding them. Yes, no more immunity for these cops. They need to stop hiding them just as quickly as they want to put our names and faces and talk about what thugs and criminals we are. When there's a crime, mm-hmm. we need to see their names and faces splattered all over every newspaper, magazine, and 
newscast as possible. We need to hold the media accountable. The media needs to stop villainizing blackness because every time you turn on the news, it's always what riots are happening and a sea of black faces. Yet and still all the videos that we see from people on the ground, the boots on the ground are saying these are white people who have come to disrupt what we're doing because yes. why? They know the blame will be put on us. But yet and still you're not covering mm -hmm. it. And then you wonder why it is that we're not standing beside you and defending you and what is happening to you out there. Because you know what? You have not helped us either. So Correct. do not believe Indeed, that we're indeed. going to back you for that. And if you really want to be an ally, if you truly are an ally, and for our allies out there, we want to thank you from the very bottom of our hearts because we know that you are truly to support us and to be with us. But if you really want to be an ally and you want to be better, then you need to stop with the fake apologies that you didn't know or you didn't understand. You know exactly what words you're putting on Twitter and Snapchat and then what words you're putting mm -hmm. on Facebook and Instagram. And you know exactly what it is that you're putting in these TikTok videos. You know what you're saying. You know what you're doing. You made a choice. Just like you make a choice whether or not you use the words black and racism and protest and violence, you make a choice not to use those words because you're trying to appeal to too many people. Let me tell you something. People already hate us for the color of our skin, something that we cannot change. Do not think that by putting some fake statement out there and then getting pushback is enough to warrant some fake apology that comes from nothing. Because that's exactly what it comes from because your statement started there and your apology ends there. Actually say what the problem is. Put words to what the problem is and what you are going to do to change it. That is going to be the sign of a true ally. That's what our true allies do. And that's why we care about them and we love them and we support them for supporting us. But if you wish to be an ally and that's what you want to do, that's what you have to do. Put the words out there. Let people know the reality of what's happening and do not hide behind Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Okay, bitches. Well, that was a kiki on race relations in the LGBT community. Thank you for joining. As always, please like, subscribe, comment, and share. And feel free to check us out on social media or drop us an email with your thoughts. It's been real. It's been cute. But has it been real cute? Peace and chicken grease. XOXO. You know you love us. Bye. Be safe. Everyone. Well, this Kiki was marvelous. Thank you all for joining. We're so glad you could make it. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook as at the Kiki Show NYC, or shoot us an email at the Kiki Show NYC at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed this Kiki as much as we did. Stay tuned for the next Kiki and invite some friends. We are always down for groups. So unlock the doors, raise the blinds, and tell them hoes to go home. This Kiki is over.